Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church, located in Newberry, Florida, where Rocky McKinley is our lead pastor. Thanks for tuning in. Here's today's message. Well, we've come to, to that part of the day where we get to evaluate what's going on in the world. We weigh the good with the bad. It's the pros and cons. Pros and Today we are going to look at the pros and cons of working with Andrew and Alexis. <laughs> today is support staff appreciation day. Today is that day that we get to honor Alexis and Andrew. And so the pros and cons of working with Andrew and Alexis. Pro, we are so close as a staff that we often lose track of time at staff lunches. And before you know it, two hours have passed. Con. Understanding that every lunch with Alexis is two hours long, regardless of who is with her. <laughs> Pro. After years of him being a Miami Hurricane fan, Pastor Andrew finally converted to Gator Nation. <laughs> nice. Con. Con. Realizing that every team that Andrew cheers for loses. <laughs> I mean, the Canes, the Canes, even though they lost last night, they didn't start winning until after he started liking the Gators. And uh, then there's the Dolphins. And, and then that whole thing that blew up in your face, Team Jacob, remember that? That blew up in your face. Um, pro. In an effort to become more prompt and punctual, Alexis got an Apple Watch. Con. Unfortunately, the only thing that has changed is her response time on Instagram and Snapchat. <laughs> Pro. When it comes to facial hair, Pastor Andrew has a really nice, even dark beard. I mean, I'm a little envious. Look at all this gray in my beard that he made sure to point out on Pastor Appreciation Day, right? Con. When it comes to hair on his head. Well... Pastor Andrew has a really nice beard. <laughs> Mama said, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it at all, right? Pro. Alexis with Jake is a package deal. I mean, Jake, Alexis's husband, is, is a great bass player, and, and he's been a great interim youth pastor for us, doing a wonderful job. But, but the con. Jake with Alexis is a package deal. <laughs> Pro. Pastor Andrew is a wardrobe trendsetter, often wearing the latest in shirts, shoes, and jeans. Con. Not all of us can afford the latex paint that he calls skinny jeans. <laughs> I, I like what you did today, though. I like what you did. But, but it's kind of reverse. You should have done this. Last week, you were wearing some jeans with some, some holes in them, some rips in them. I know it's stylish. It's the thing. Wear that on the day we're going to take up an offering for you. It makes people feel sorry for you. <laughs> Pro. Alexis successfully set the office up with an Amazon Prime account, and this saves DCC some time and money. Con. The constant next day deliveries to the office of iPhone cases and Apple watch bands for Alexis. Seriously, Alexis, how many cases and watch bands does a person need? Pro. 
Pastor Andrew is a man that believes in sacrificing for his family, even when it comes to buying a vehicle. Con. He also sacrificed his man car by buying a four-door Honda Accord. <laughs> Pro. That Alexis has a beautiful baby girl named Carson that is very photogenic. But there's a con. That social media reminds us every day that Alexis has a beautiful baby girl that is very photogenic. Hashtag baby Carson. Pro. That Pastor Andrew is not afraid to give you his two cents. Now, he's got an opinion, and he'll share it with you. He's not afraid to give you his two cents con. Unfortunately, that's all that he has in his front pop pocket because you can see the impression of those two pennies in his skinny jeans. Thank you. There you go. There's the pros and cons of working with Andrew and Alexis. There it is. There it is. Thank you, guys. Thank you very much. Appreciate your help. Today is Support Staff Appreciation Day, and at the end of this service, we are going to take up an offering for them and their families. And I want you to dig deep today. I know Mandy and I, we're going to because we appreciate them so much. We, we are a staff that we like to have a lot of fun with each other, and uh, it's no secret that uh, right now we are short-staffed. And these two have had to really pick up the pieces quite a bit. And so today is a day that I want to bless them. And I want you to help me in blessing them. It would not hurt my feelings at all if we gave them the largest offering. Sorry, Josh. The largest staff offering that we've ever received. I would love to be able to give it to them. It would be fantastic. And it would, it would bless me so much to see them be blessed in that way. Today... I've intentionally wanted to end this series with this message because I feel like this is important. And it's actually um, a passage of scripture that I, I preached from about five years ago. And I want to preach on it again, but I want to bring some, some different highlights out of this. But uh, today we will conclude this series, People on the Path. In the first week of this series, two weeks ago, we looked at the three types of people that are on your path. There's people put there to discourage People put there to encourage, and people put there with courage. Discouragement, although it can be a tool of the enemy, can also be an instrument of God used to keep us from going down the wrong path. That first week we looked at Numbers chapter 22, where God used a man's donkey as a divine discourager to keep him from making a mistake. And then last week I told you that encouragement is a powerful tool also. Encouragement has the ability to change a person's mindset and give them the courage that they need. The definition of encourage is to put courage into someone. And God has this unique way of putting encouragers on our path to push us and persuade us into his divine will for our lives. Last week we looked at Acts chapter 4 where we met one of the best encouragers of all time. His name was Joseph, but the apostles nicknamed him Barnabas, which meant son of encouragement. And this was a man that was, uh, was an encourager to the Apostle Paul. He was an encourager to John Mark. And, and his encouragement helped direct their lives towards their divine destiny. And thank God for encouragers that keep us from giving up on our dreams. This morning I want to share with you a story that I recently shared with a group of business leaders and, that I meet with on a monthly basis. There was a purchasing manager 
of a West Coast company that was conducting an outside audit of Acme Components. Acme Components was a potential new supplier that she was concerned about using because if selected, Acme would not only become the sole source supplier for her company, but Acme would also be the smallest supplier that her company had ever dealt with. And so in an effort to resolve her concerns, she held a meeting with the staff of Acme Components and she began asking a series of questions, a series of what if questions. And so she would ask them questions like this. What if the factory burns down? What are you gonna do? What's your plan if the factory burns down? What if your machines producing the parts that I need, what if they crash? What is your plan? And, and every question that she asked, there was an answer. Question after question was being answered and the problem was that most of the questions were being answered by the general manager of Acme, despite the fact that his whole staff was present at the meeting. When the audit drew to a close, she turned and addressed one last question to the general manager who had dominated the entire meeting. And she looked at him and said, what would happen if something happened to you? He had positioned himself as the key person to Acme Components, and the general manager had such an opportunity. With one answer, he could alleviate the concerns of the person asking the question, but he could also champion the capabilities of his team, of his staff, with that same answer. But unfortunately, this man blew it. He blew it. While everyone, staff as well as the potential customer, waited for a reply, the general manager just, just shrugged his shoulders and assumed an expression that seemed to say, you're quite right. I'm the key to this whole operation. He didn't come right out and say it, but his silence and mannerism spoke volumes to everyone in the room. And the sad part was that he was proud of this fact and, and his potential customer was not impressed. And in that self-indulgent moment in his life, a large contract was lost, a contract that could have propelled the company to the next level. But more than that, respect from his employees was lost forever and he would never gain it back. So with that said, I'm not about to make the same mistake. Because I want everyone in this room to know that if something ever happens to me, this church will be just fine because the people that are making it happen are sitting right here on these front rows. Along with your help as volunteers, they lead the charge and they love this church. They're the workhorses. Notice I called you guys workhorses and not donkeys like the first sermon. Okay. God puts people on your path for a purpose. God puts people on your path for a purpose. God puts people in your life to discourage your unhealthy courage. He puts people in your life to encourage you in the dream that he has given you when you have lost courage. But he also puts people in your life with courage because they will help you fight the battles that you face. Because you need to understand this church, everybody in this room, you were not created to fight alone. And if you're trying to fight that battle, whatever you're going, going through in life right now, if you're trying to fight that battle by yourself, you are not following God's plan for you. If you can accomplish the task without others, I want you to know it's probably not God at all. If you can do what you think needs to be done, it's not a divine calling on your life if you think you can do it by yourself.
Genesis 2 and 18, the Lord said right at the beginning, it's not good that the man should be alone. In the New Testament, in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, it says, for the body, it means the body of Christ. That's us as Christians. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. We need each other. And we are not called to fight these battles alone. God puts people on our path with courage to help us fight these battles. I want you to turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 14. 1 Samuel chapter 14. As you're turning there, I want to give you a little bit of history leading up to this. King Saul and the Israelite army are camped out. They have somewhere around 600 men. They, they are drastically outnumbered. They're on the defensive. There's no chance of them moving forward offensively because they're just trying to survive. The Philistines are sending out spontaneous attacks in waves of three. And, and they don't know which side they're going to be hit from next. They're never gaining ground. They're just trying to stay alive in that moment. And their leader, their leader, King Saul, is hiding, uh, hiding out away from the battle, uh, kind of watching from a distance under a cluster of pomegranate trees. Some versions say a, a pomegranate cave. And so we think it was a, a, a thick set of trees that he was hiding up underneath. But to make matters worse... There are no more blacksmiths to be found in Israel. No, the Philistines took care of that. They got rid of all of them. And they were afraid that if we left, if, if they leave blacksmiths there, that, that they are, are going to produce weapons, swords, spears, and such. And so that they get rid of all the blacksmiths. It's bad when you want to plow your field or, or work around your house and your blades are dull. And you don't have a blacksmith anywhere near your camp or in your nation. They would have to go to their enemy just to get their tools sharpened. If you had an axe and you wanted it sharpened, you were going to have to go to the Philistines. If you wanted something sharpened on your plow, you were going to have to take that to the Philistines. If you had your sickle and you wanted that to be sharpened, you would have to take that to the Philistines. And so there was no one there to forge new swords and new spears. There's this one man that had courage to bring about some change. 1 Samuel chapter 14 and verse 1 says, One day Jonathan, son of Saul, said to his young armor bearer, Come, let's go over to the Philistine outpost on the other side. But he did not tell his father. Now go down to verse 4. It says, on each side of the pass that Jonathan intended to cross to reach the Philistine outpost was a cliff. One was called Bozes and the other Sina. One cliff stood to the north toward Michmash, the other to the south toward Geba. Verse 6 says, Jonathan said to his young armor bearer, come, let's go over to the outpost of those un uncircumcised men. Perhaps the Lord will act in our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. Do all that you have in mind, his armor bearer said. Go ahead. I am with you, heart and soul. I am with you, heart and soul. Jonathan finds himself in one of the most difficult places that you can be. 
He is in what we refer to as a wadi. It's a dried up riverbed. They would use this as a passageway, a highway of some sorts. But during a time of war, if you were to travel through that wadi, it would, it would make you extremely vulnerable to attacks. Because if someone has the higher ground, obviously, according to the Jedis, uh, if you have higher ground, you're, you have the advantage, right? Correct? Any Star Wars fans in the room? Say amen. Man, God, Star Trek fans, we don't care about you at all, but we'll just keep moving. No one could travel these roads successfully because the Philistines, they were making it difficult on others. And they were traveling between these two cliffs. And this is a picture of possibly the exact place where Jonathan and his armor bearer were at. One side is called Bozes, which means shining. The other side is Sina, which means thorn. Which leads me just to, to know what I've figured out about certain people in life is that there are two types of people that you can come into contact with every day. There are people that will brighten up your day. They'll brighten up your life. Just being around them, it changes things. And then there are people that it just simply hurts to be around. There are some people that are shining, and there are some people that are a thorn in the flesh. Don't point at them if they're sitting here. The difference between victory and failure in your life depends on who is by your side. I said the, the difference between victory and failure in your life depends on who is by your side. Who has your back? Because you would much rather go into battle with a shining star guarding your back rather than the thorn in your flesh. Because I've gone into battle with both. And trust me, the thorn in your flesh will fail you every time. You don't want to go into battle with that thorn. Because they will not fight with you to the end. They will not, or, or, or rather they will share with you every thought and opinion that they have about your dilemma. And they're extremely opinionated. But, but when the sweat starts dripping and the swords start cutting and the blood starts running, these people are nowhere to be found because they'll leave you high and dry. They don't want to go into battle. As a matter of fact, a lot of times they're starting the battle behind your back. And they're not going to stick around long enough. To help you fight and conquer. These are not the people that you want to go into battle with. Trust me. I've begun a few battles in life with thorns by my side. And if thorns are all that you have, then, then you're probably on the wrong path. And, and you need to get on a different path with different people. That's your first step to success is get on a different road. Because the people you've surrounded yourself with, they're not going to fight with you. There's this hip-hop phrase that refers to Bonnie and Clyde, and it's a conjunction of two phrases of ride it out and die trying. In other words, you're down with whatever, even if it kills you. It, it usually refers to like your significant other, like Mandy is my, my ride or die. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's how we use it. She's my ride or die. She's my Bonnie to my Clyde. You know, that, that's who she is. But this phrase is so fitting for today. Because Jonathan has courage because of a young man that is walking with him, full of courage, willing to fight with him. I mean, honestly, in that moment, that's his ride or die. They are willing to 
to ride this thing out and die trying. I'm not about to call you my ride or die. So just, just I know, I know. I love you, brother, but that's not going to happen. But Jonathan, in, in verse 6, he says, perhaps the Lord will act in our behalf. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm going into battle with somebody, if I've got their back, I want some assurance in knowing we're going to win this thing. Jonathan looks at his armor bearer and says, perhaps. Those are some of the scariest words of war. Perhaps. Perhaps God's going to help us out with this. But the amazing thing is even with the perhaps, we may win, we may lose. I don't know what's going to happen. Perhaps God will help us. But even with the perhaps, the armor bearer says, I'm willing to go this distance with you. I'm willing to be your ride or die. We'll ride this thing out and we'll die trying. But we cannot stay camped out trying to figure out where we're going to be hit from next. If anything is going to change, two of us together, we've got to make this charge. And, and we've got to make some changes to, to our situation, to our scenario. And, and you know what, Jonathan? I'm right there with you, brother. If you want to do this, I'm here with you. I've got you back. Picking back up at verse 8. Jonathan said, come on then. We will cross over toward them and let them see us. If they say to us, wait there until we come to you, we will stay where we are and not go up to them. But if they say, come up to us, we will climb up because that will be our sign that the Lord has given them into our hands. We've been talking a lot lately on Wednesday nights about laying fleeces out before the Lord. Here's a fleece right here. Jonathan's laying it out. If they say to us, wait there until we come to you, we will stay where we are and not go up to them. But if they say, come up to us, we will climb up because that will be our sign that the Lord has given them into our hands. Verse 11 says, so both of them showed themselves to the Philistine outposts. Look, said the Philistines, the Hebrews are crawling out of the holes they were hiding in. The men of the outpost shouted to Jonathan and his armor bearer, come up to us and we'll teach you a lesson. Those are the words Jonathan was waiting on. So Jonathan said to his armor bearer, climb up after me. The Lord has given them into the hand of Israel. You see, Jonathan is nothing like his father, King Saul. King Saul's a coward. He's out hiding underneath the trees. But Jonathan is tired of living life like this. And he knows if life is going to improve, we've got to go fight these guys. And this guy beside me is giving me the courage to charge up this hill, to go up this mountain, to go up this cliff, because I know that God is going to give them to us, we will conquer them. Verse 13 says, Jonathan climbed up using his hands and feet with his armor bearer right behind him. The Philistines fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer followed and killed behind him. In that first attack, Jonathan and his armor bearer killed some 20 men in an area of about half an acre. Half an acre. Half an acre. Listen, that's 21,780 square feet. It's an area that's not much bigger than this total building that we're in right now. And in that small half acre, these two men fighting back to back killed 20 men. God had promised them, if you just have the courage to go up this cliff, I will give them into your hands. How does this happen? Because when God gives you someone with courage, you don't sit still. 
When God's laid a call on your life and a, and a purpose in your heart, and, and he puts somebody on your path with some courage to walk with you, you don't sit still. You can't sit still. You fight. You conquer because God has equipped you for this battle. And you need someone who has your back. It, it, it's kind of like this. Brad, will you help me real quick? Come here. If you're a, a football player, if you're a QB, you, you want someone to have your back. You want him protect my blind side, brother. You want him protecting my, my blind side, right? Yeah. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> because when Dan comes sneaking up on, over here, Brad's going to take him out. He's protecting me. Thank you. Where's, where's one of my law enforcement brothers in here? Where are you at? And come here, just Travis, come, come, come help me. Law enforcement, military, they know this. You want someone guarding your six, right? right? So this, look at him. He's grabbing me all over the place. Man, I feel more protected right now. Don't you touch me. He'll take you out right now. This is it right here, man. This is how it goes down. We've got all sides covered right now because he's got my six. He's got my back. Thank you. Thank you. Give it up for all of our law enforcement and military. Yep. And they tell you, you have cancer. You want a spouse that has your back. You don't want one that's going to bail out on you. You want one that will defend you when you're weak. When you don't feel like walking, they'll walk with you. Thank you. And I can tell you this. When you're leading a church, you don't want people walking with you that will bail out on you. You want people to have your back. They're willing to go the distance with you. I battle with whether or not I would share this next part. But I think it's important. Because I want to know, I, I want you to know what you have. Because I think this is so important. And this isn't to sell anybody out, but this is to show you how God's blessed you with the right personnel. This past summer, we were facing a, a very difficult time. When I realized just two days before the biggest event of our summer, where hundreds of kids were going to be coming into this place and we were going to have an opportunity to minister to them for a week, I realized two days before that we were in trouble. I started scrambling. Mandy and I, we were doing everything we, we could, we could possibly do to, to try and, 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 and fix the situation. But I knew we were not prepared to go into that week. The day before, I sent a text out to my staff. And I said, tomorrow, I need you all day. It was time that we were beginning to sweat in preparation or we were definitely going to bleed in battle. 
because when you have 200 plus kids showing up, they will make you bleed. <laughs> Let me tell you what happened. These two right here, they stepped up to the challenge. They basically, without even saying it, said, Pastor, I've got your back. They began to jump through hoops along with a host of volunteers. Some of you are in this room, too many to name. But man, I'm telling you, other people didn't have a clue the struggle that was taking place. Some of you, you were working VBS and you didn't know what was happening. But I can tell you this, these two people right here, they stood at my back. And they stood at the back of this church and they said, we'll ride or die. We'll make this happen. You've got to have those kind of people in your life. If you don't have those kinds of people in your life, you're in trouble. If you don't have the people that will defend you when others are talking about you, you're in trouble. I, I, I'll put it like this. This is my brother right here. Flesh and blood, that's my brother. I've made mistakes, he's made mistakes. But I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll listen to you complain about the other one just for about that much time before we look at you and say, that's my brother, you need to shut up. I get it wrong all the time. But I know I've got people that have my back. I know I've got people on this path that God has put there with courage. You've got to have those people. And if you don't have those people, you need to get off that path and get on a different path. I thank God that he's put people on my path with courage. People that have the same vision, the same goal. To see God do everything that he wants to do through this church. And when we make the right decisions, we celebrate together. When we make the wrong decisions, we quietly cover it up together so nobody else knows. <laughs> You need these people. Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. We pray you have been blessed by today's message. We would love to meet you in person. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org or call the church office at 352-472-3284. Thanks again for listening. Destiny Community Church, for life's journey.